0: Glad you're all here. Um, I'm happy to be with you. Our scripture this morning is from Luke 14, 12 through 24. Let me read it for us. He said also to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, The crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. One of the dinner guests on hearing this said to him, blessed is anyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then Jesus said to him, someone gave a great dinner and invited many. At the time for the dinner, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of land and I must go out and see it. Please accept my regrets. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to try them out. Please accept my regrets. And another said, I've just been married and therefore I cannot come. So the slave returned and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and said to his slave, Go out at once into the streets and lanes of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. And the slave said, Sir, what you have ordered has been done and there is still room. Then the master said to the slave, Go out into the roads and lanes and compel people to come in so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those who were invited will taste my dinner. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, may it come in to fill us as a great feast may fill our our stomachs and fill our hearts. I pray that your word would come in and fill our souls, fill our spirits. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. This is a parable, and for the next, I think, probably several weeks we're going to be talking about parables. There's something important to remember about parables, you know, just just as a big feast is not merely a way to get fuel into our bodies, but it's something much, much more and much richer. A parable is like that too. A parable is not meant to just convey one single idea and get it into our brains. But there's a richness to parables that we want to sit with and let kind of enrich our lives. And I want to bring out the richness of this parable with three words. The first word is the word able. I want to begin by reflecting on that word able. The parable itself, the story is pretty straightforward as most parables are. You know, it's small and then it kind of blows up. Um, And so it's, it's, uh, it's a situation that I think is fairly common. Somebody is throwing a party and they want people to come to their party and they've already sent out the invitations and people have agreed to come and then it's time for the party and last minute a bunch of people say, oh, can't make it, can't make it. And so the person throwing the party does something unexpected. Most of us would reschedule, most of us would cancel. The person throwing the party says, I will have my party. This is going to happen. And so the person looks around and says, Well, who is able to come? And invites in uh, four, and very specifically, the, the, the four groups that are mentioned the poor, the crippled, the lame, and, and what was the fourth one? Blind. The blind. Thanks, Burr. And the blind. So those four, and, and Jesus actually mentions those four groups twice. Um, in the passage I just read. So those those are the ones who are able to come and then um, and then finally there's still some space since they go and compel some people to come in just who were out and walking around. Um, I want to begin with the word able because I think this parable uh, makes us ask some interesting questions about that word able. I'd like to focus on on unable on in the sense that uh first we we look at the first group of people who were supposed to come to the feast and they are unable. Now we we got to talk about this in the middle school group and uh and and we 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 thought about this a little bit like were there real were these real reasons like were they legit reasons or were they made up excuses so that people didn't have to go? And there were, we had a really interesting conversation about it, but at the end of the day, we don't really have a good reason to say that they made this stuff up, that they were lying. We don't have any evidence of that. And what we can say is that they felt as though they simply were not able. Just bought a piece of land. I've got to go see to it. I've got some oxen. I've got to go try them out. We've just been married. I'm unable to come to your banquet. It's not that they don't want to go to the party, it's that they lack ability. Again, the host will not reschedule. The host will have his feast, and so he invites people who can come, who actually do have the ability, who are able. Now, this is completely opposite from the world. The reason is that the reason it's totally opposite is that the, the poor, the lame, the crippled, and the blind are able precisely because they are unable to do the things that the original invitees are able to do. So the lame and the crippled are unable to work oxen. The poor are, are unable to buy land. All of these people, for the most part, are unable except for the poor, but the other three are unable to marry because they are considered unclean. They all lack the ability, they are disabled from certain things in the world, but that disability makes them able to go to the feast. In our world, thank goodness, we have advanced in many ways beyond what we see in the parable. The crippled and the lame can get medical care and prostheses. Um, you know, some of them are made of carbon fiber. Some of them are actually better than, than like our body parts, than like meat body parts. They're amazing. Um, some who are blind have literally had their sight returned to them medically. And the poor honestly have more opportunities now than ever before, even though we still struggle a lot with equality and poverty and that kind of thing. But our parable raises a really really crucial question when it comes to all this. When it comes to the ability when it comes to ability the question is often put this way how do we get bodies to become more able of interacting in society. But there's another question that is is asked and is beginning to be asked more and more which is how is it possible that it's our society that makes certain bodies unable to interact. So is it the body or is it the society? Which is it? Which, how is disability, what causes it? So I'll give you a simple example of this. It's something called the curb cut. So, you know, we built the world that we live in and we had options for how we built our world. And for some reason, we chose 90 degrees as a great option for building. We love 90 degrees. We love that angle, the 90 degree angle. And it makes sense structurally for a lot of reasons. Um, But, you know, so we have huge 90 degree buildings, but we we also put 90 degrees on the smallest scale when we made roads and curbs. We made all our curbs at 90 degrees. And this was great for people who have no problem navigating curbs, but for people who do have problem navigating curbs, they suddenly became disabled from navigating the sidewalk to the street. Now, interestingly, it wasn't that easy to change this, um, to, to make curb cuts. Curb cuts are the are the, are the um, incline that, that uh, literally cut into the curb. And it actually took some people with uh, concrete saws and grinders to come and grind away the 90 degree angle and to advocate for these things called curb cuts. Before curb cuts, navigation was a lot easier And then we built a world where people were unable or disabled from navigating between roads and sidewalks. The question about bodies changing for the world and minds, too, we should include minds, or the question of the world changing for different kinds of bodies and minds should remain an open question. We should be doing both. It should continue to be an open question because it's very fruitful. It's a fruitful thing to ask. It helps us with our parable because in the parable we see that the kind of world that God makes and the kinds of bodies that fit into God's world are very different than the kinds of bodies and minds that fit into our world. Who has ability and who is disabled. This brings us to our second word. The first word was able. The second word is slow. The second word is slow. I'd like to call this parable uh, the, a parable of the kingdom of slowness. The people who were originally invited, they are unable because their lives are moving too fast to slow down for a banquet. Think about it. They just have too much going on. You know, i got a lot on my plate right now. I just bought this field. I've got to go check it out. I've just done this. I've got to do this. I've got a lot going on. Their lives are moving fast. But the new guests, the pace that they live, fits perfectly with the kingdom of slowness. One theologian has said that he knows how fast love is. He has actually clocked the speed of love. He can, he can tell us the exact the exact mile per hour that love is. He says it's three. Three miles per hour. Why? Well Jesus walked everywhere he went. Walking is about three miles per hour and Jesus is love. And so the speed of love is three miles per hour. Time is at the heart of ability and disability. The faster we move, the fewer there are who can keep up with us, and they are deemed slow. The word handicapped itself actually comes from horse racing, and it refers to a slower horse. Think of the word delayed, someone's delayed. It, again, it refers to time, doesn't it? It refers to slowness. The whole point of a race is to get somewhere first. And the faster you go, the fewer the people that come with you. You must leave people behind in a race. And if that's what life is like, we're just going to make more and more and more disabled people. God, though, moves at about three miles per hour. God, who is welcoming us to a destination that is now called the kingdom, the banquet, the marriage feast, the abundant life, that God moves slow. And so the question is can we slow down enough to catch up with God? Toward the beginning of a documentary called Love is Listening Dementia Without Loneliness, an African American woman with advanced dementia reflects on her life experience. She says, I don't know where I am, I don't know where I am going. I don't know where I've just come from, but I am not fearful. She pauses and looks deeply into the eyes of the person that she's talking to. Because I see all around me, I don't see a lot, but I see patience. She looks upwards in her way, her eyes glaze over a little bit. I see gratitude. I see tolerance. She slowly looks back towards her friends and smiles. I think I see love. She smiles and your face is a picture of love. The third word I'd like to bring up is this word compel. Jesus says that in order for the feast to be filled there are some people who have to be compelled to come in now, compel is not force. You know, it's it's not coercion. It's just a whole bunch of people who think, "I would never be allowed to go to a party," like that's that's just not me. Like I, I that parties and me or being invited play. That's that. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of people like this. And to be honest with you, to be perfectly honest, in my you know vast expanse of a lifetime and all the people I've met. I hardly meet someone who ever thinks that they really deserve to be at a place like a banquet, a feast, a party, a church, or even sometimes at work. Sometimes people feel like if they really knew what I was like, I wouldn't be allowed here. You know, something like that. I almost always meet people who don't feel like they're supposed to be where they are. And that's why I like this word, "compel" so much. In fact, I've been thinking about it a lot. The word compel, really what happens is, is it brings us to the heart of love. To be compelled is to be tugged, maybe even dragged into the kingdom of God. It is beyond just ability. It's, it's not saying that you can be with God in God's presence. It's not saying that. It's saying that God is actually longing for you to be in his presence he's eagerly waiting he is calling for you watching out for you and waiting for you keeping a space open at the table for you to come for you to slow down and be able not disabled but able to come and sit at his table whenever i think about something like this i always think of a famous icon painted by andrei rublev and it's just called the Trinity. And we actually have an image of it. And what's so interesting about this icon is that um, it, it, it's, what it's supposed to depict actually is the three guests who visit um, Abraham by the Oaks of Mamre in Genesis. Um, but it's also a picture of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And one thing that's fascinating about it is that there's a table there and, it's, and, and there's a cup. And, and so it's a feast. So there's a feast, and the three of them are gathered for a feast. But there's a fourth spot open at the feast. There's a, there's a place that's open. And the place is the place of the viewer, all of us. So whenever we look at it, is it, the, the icon itself becomes an invitation for all of us to join the feast. And if you ask the question, well, who's allowed at this feast? The answer that the icon gives is, well, whoever's looking at the icon that's who's welcome, or whoever's looking at Jesus, or whoever's beholding God is welcome. And the hope is that this, this love compels you to slow down long enough to feast with God. I, um, I was reflecting on a mural that um, I've seen before, and it says that um, God could have chosen anyone to be here, and he chose you. It's just a simple phrase. But there's something I really like about it, in the sense that, um, um, on the one hand, we're all welcome to the table, which means none of us are excluded. And then on the other hand, there's a very specific invitation to every one of us to be where god is god knowing everything about us god having all the information about us and still inviting us to the table a friend of mine told me a story about a guy who um, was needed to sell a car and it was one of these classic cars but it had tons and tons of problems and so he brought it to auction and he made a long list of all the stuff that was wrong with this car things that he knew and he, he was legally obligated to do all this and so he made this long list of everything that was wrong with it and, um, and then they brought it up to auction. And there was somebody there who was so excited to buy it. And he snatched it up right away. And afterwards, he, he said, oh, I'm so glad I got this car. I'm just thrilled about it. And the person selling it said, well, are, are you sure? I mean, did you look at the list? The list is so long of everything that's wrong. And he's like, I don't care. I don't care. I've wanted this car for so long. And I finally got it. And what I love about that story is it's It's just a picture of God. God has seen the list. And it doesn't matter. He's so excited to feast with us. He's so excited to be with us. He can't wait to have us at the table. So slow down. Slow down enough to catch up with God so that we can see his face. And in his face, we can see the face of love. Amen. Mm -hmm. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for um, having this special banquet. And we thank you for inviting us. We thank you for the seat at the table that waits for us. Lord, may we sit in it. May we rejoice and be filled with your presence. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. May the peace of Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness, and may he protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing once again at the wonders he has shown you, and may he bring you home rejoicing again into these doors. Amen. Go in peace.